Welcome to the New Life Millbrook Weekly Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast or other resources, please visit nlmillbrook.com. And it doesn't matter if you're in Walmart or you're in Target, if you go to Winn-Dixie or Publix, if you go to Dollar General, everything around us right now is pointing towards that, that day. Um, and it's an interesting thing in our culture because we seem to be mesmerized by Halloween. And, and it's, a, it's a thing that's unique to us, um, but we're going to be diving into our series, um, and we're going to be talking about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has some big misconceptions. Holy Spirit has been uh, seemed to that if you're flowing in the Holy Spirit, then you have to be weird. Um, if you're operating in the gifts of the Spirit, you have to have this weird, like, look off in the sideways and and do some weird hand motions, and, you know, bark like a dog, and do all these weird things to be, just to be strange. But can I tell you, the Holy Spirit is weird, but He's not spooky. He's weird because being weird means you do things that are not normal. But spooky, okay, is not spiritual. Just because somebody's acting odd doesn't mean that they are spiritual. Are you with me? So we're going to be talking about the Holy Spirit and the things that he's going to be uh, doing in our churches and what he's doing in this world over the next few weeks. And, and I'm excited to kick off this series as we get going. But uh, can I tell you something about Halloween that I don't like? I don't like to be scared. Am I the only person? I was having a conversation uh, with uh, Jessica. She said, I want to take you to, uh, I've never been to a haunted house. Has anybody ever been to like a, a scary haunted? Yeah, I've never been in my entire life because I don't like to be scared. Why, why go? So she says, you're going, and then says, and you're going to be a man about it. Well, those are two totally different things. I can go, or I can be a man. I, I have a feeling that when I, if I was to go, I would definitely squeal like a little girl and, and run out um, and embarrass everyone that is with me. Um, I, I think Halloween is a lot for me like Christmas. It's better to give than to receive. And so this past Thursday, I gave the gift. Yeah. So on, on Facebook and on Instagram, you'll see this video of uh, me deciding to be so kind to my sister and to Shonda. Oh, it's playing now. <laughs> the, the look, go ahead to the next clip. The look on Shonda's face is just the best. The better part is that Shonda's in Oklahoma currently, so she has no idea what's happening right now. But the funny part was that she goes, hey, we're going to get food. Do you want to go? And I went, yeah, I need to get my keys. And they go, great. And so I squatted down, and I had like eight minutes of nonstop video to a point where I'm trying to scare them, and now I'm starting to feel in pain because I'm just like waiting, 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 and I'm tense because at any given moment, if you've ever been on, you know what I'm talking about, when you're getting ready to jump out and scare somebody, you're tense. They have no idea what's coming, but you're ready to pounce at any given moment. And so finally, they came around. Uh, Shonda screamed. She hit me a lot. Um, but it was great. It's better to give fear than to receive fear. It's a gift that's, that's great to give. Uh, and so I've warned her, uh, the office staff, you just never know what could happen in the next few days, weeks, um, because it's a blast. But can I tell you something? What's weird about uh, this season for us when it comes to fear is that we 
we, 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 we pay our hard-earned money to be scared. And then we deal with fear, so then we pay our hard-earned money to go to a doctor. And then he goes, there's a prescription that you could spend money on to help you out on a thing that we started to get with. And, and, and this thing that happens with fear is that fear is something that wants to contain your life and to make you be susceptible to what it wants whenever it wants to. Jesus has not given you the spirit of fear. He's given you power, he's given you love, and a sound mind. Today we're going to dive into Luke chapter 24. If you have your Bible, open up to Luke chapter 24. We're going to read the entire chapter. Um, and uh, yeah, well, if you just groaned, then I guess you don't read your entire Bible because I can't get a chapter down. No, um, we're we're going to be going through a chapter of Luke, Luke chapter 24. Leading up to Luke 24, Jesus has just died. That's a very sad moment for all these people. Jesus gave his life up as a ransom for all of us that we could be right with God. We look at this story between Luke 23 and Luke 24 and go, what's the big deal? Of course he's coming back to life. But I don't know about you, I've never seen somebody lose their life, pass away and go, it's not a big deal, they're coming back. So it's easy for us in our, in our uh, post-game view to look back and go, well, you should have done that. Duh. Uh, this past weekend, where I was having a conversation uh, with some people about um, being around others who have lost their lives. And I don't know if you've ever been around somebody who has you know, breathed their last breath, but in our, in our jobs, we've done this a lot. Um, and there's a bunch of different types, but you know, some people fall asleep and they just gracefully, they don't wake up. It's a beautiful process. They, there's, there's peace in the air, there's relaxation, and then they, 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 they drift. Some people's mental faculties are not there, but their body is still struggling, and you can watch that happen. It's that's not something fun. Um, I've been in rooms where people were having conversation with other people that were not in the room as they were one foot in and one foot out kind of a deal. Um, I've seen people who knew they were very much awake and alert, struggling to, to live, knowing they were dying, and seeing that in their face was not fun. Seeing that was probably the most, one of the more traumatic experiences that you don't forget. When I was an intern, um, I got a phone call from our... our uh, the pastor that I was interning with in the middle of the night saying, I need you at the hospital. Uh, somebody's had a heart attack. I'm like, okay. So I get my clothes on. I head. I meet him in the parking lot of the hospital. As I get to the hospital, he says, this is what we're going to do. They're going to take him back to surgery. The kids are here. I want you to take the, the kids away. They go to another room. I'm going to talk to the adults. That way they can be open and honest and have conversations without feeling like their kids are going to hear about their dad. So I walk in, I've got my clergy badge, and he takes a left. I'd stand forward, a nurse comes in, asks if I'm here to see them. I say yes. Mind you, at this time, I'm 18 years old, and they, she grabs me, she goes, great, come, and pulls me into the room as this man's dying. He's got the tubes coming out, he's panicking, you can see it's, it's, it's the end. And for some reason or another, they had the family walk past his room to go to a waiting room to which the kids are now watching this and they jump on their dad. So I'm trying to pull the... So going through that moment is one of those things that I've never forgotten in my life because when you watch somebody die, it's not a fun time. These men and women watched Jesus die. And it wasn't a peaceful sleep. 
It wasn't this relaxation and everything is good and he just drifts off into, into eternity. He was tortured. He was brutalized. And now in verse 24, he's in the ground. In chapter 24, now on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they, they and a certain woman, other woman with them came to the tomb bringing the spices which they had prepared. But they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. And when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And it happened, as they were greatly perplexed about this, that behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. That does not mean they were wearing glitter. Uh, that, that shining aspect there in the Greek is actually bright lights. It's as if somebody in the middle of the night turned on a flashlight and you were blinded by their appearance. This is obviously one of those things that... And uh, in this season, we would say they were visited by a supernatural being in that moment, and all of a sudden, everything illuminated, and there were two men standing there, shining, and then they said to them, why do you seek the living among the dead? He's not here, but risen. Behold, remember how he spoke to you when he was in Galilee, saying, the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and on the third day rise again. Angels... I've never seen an angel. I would love to see an angel. I've never had that experience. But I would like to speculate that if I'm minding my own business and two ginormous men show up glowing out of nowhere and they say, hey, it's going to be okay, I'm going to go, you're probably right. Good call. You weren't here. You appeared. It's going to be okay. And they remembered his words, and then they returned from the tomb, and they told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary mother of James, and the other woman with them who told these things to the apostle, and the words seemed to them like an idle tale, and they did not believe them. Do you blame them? Like, seriously, like... You won't believe this. I went to go to the tomb. Meemaw's back. An angel came up and said it. I'd be like, you, you doing okay? Everything okay? But Peter arose and ran to the tomb. And stooping down, he saw the linen clothes lying there by themselves, and he departed, marveling to himself at what happened. I love Peter's reaction because Peter's last conversation with Jesus is denying him. He's finding himself now for three straight days, beating himself up in torture, going, my last moments with the man that I claim to love, I lied, deceived, and betrayed him. And at the first moment that there's a possibility that he could be alive, whether he believed it or not, he needed that second chance, so he ran. He ran. He shows up. And it's just like they say. And then this is where we're going to get to today. Now, <clears throat> behold, two of them were traveling that same day. What day? The day Jesus had arrived to a village called Emmaus, which is seven miles from Jerusalem. And they walked together all of these things which had happened. They, they talked together of all these things which had happened. So it was while they were conversing and reasoning that Jesus himself drew near <clears throat> and went with them. But their eyes were restrained, so they did not know him. And he, Jesus, said to them, What kind of conversation is this that you have with one another while you walk and are so sad? And then one of them, whose name was Cleopas, said, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem? And have you not known these things which happen here these days? And he said to them, What things? 
And they answered to him, The things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word, before God and all the people. And how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be confirmed condemned to death and crucified him but we were hoping that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel indeed besides all this today is the third day since these things happened yes and certain women of our company who arrived at the tomb early astonished us when they did not find his body and they came saying that these that they had a vision of angels who said that he was alive and a certain of those who were with us went to the tomb and they found it just as the woman had said but him they did not see, and then he, Jesus, said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart, to believe in all that the prophets have spoken, ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them all the scriptures concerning himself. And it says, when they drew near to the village where they were going, and he indicated that he would go further, they constrained him and said, Abide with us, for it is towards evening. And the day is far spent, and he went to, went to stay with them. Now it came to pass, as he sat at the table with them, that he took the bread, he blessed it, and broke it, and gave unto them. And their eyes were open, and they knew him, and he vanished from their sight. And they said to one another, Did not our hearts burn with us while he talked with us on the road, and while he opened Scripture to us? So they rose up that very hour and returned to Jerusalem. They found the eleven and those who were with them gathering and saying, The Lord has indeed risen and appeared to Simon. And they told about those things that had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of bread. And as they said these things, Jesus stood in the midst of them and said, Peace to you. But they were, fear, they were terrified and frightened and supposed they had seen a spirit. And he said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? Behold my hands and my feet. That is, that is I myself. Handle me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as I have. And when he said this, he showed them his hands and feet. But while they, were st they, but while they still did not believe for joy and marveled, he said, You got any food here? So they gave him a piece of broiled fish and some honeycomb, and he took it and ate it in their presence. Father, we just thank you that you are with us in all seasons and all times. We just thank you, Jesus, that your holy power and presence is with us and not against us. In your name, amen and amen. We're going to dive into this whole idea of Emmaus. They drew near. These two men drew or walking from Emmaus. Now, the crazy thing about the road to Emmaus is this, is that it is, uh, there's a couple of different places um, that have been signified as Emmaus. One is roughly 45 kilometers, which could not be this place because it says they were walking seven. The other is exactly three and a half miles. And, and speculating that this would be probably where this road is going because three and a half plus three and a half would be a seven mile round trip as it was stated. The crazy part about this is that the word Emmaus here is hot springs. It's a place that is supposed to be beautiful. It's a place there where it's warmth. There's two big, huge hills on either side, and there's a great spot where a Roman road was built. So it was graveled. It was, everything was great. These two men are walking down this road. And it says these two men are walking down this road, and I love it how it says this, that as they were walking, hold on a second, get to my, my notes. They talked about what Mary and Peter saw. These two men are going, Mary said this, Peter said this. 
Mary said this, Peter said this, and they're having this conversation because what they saw with their two eyes was the Lord and Savior die on a cross and be put into a tomb, but Mary says this. Peter says that. And I find it interesting that they're walking away from the place that all of this took place. They're leaving Jerusalem and walking away from it with their backs turned to it. They're going to a new place. And I love this. It says they were conversing. What that means is they were having deep conversation about what just took place. But it doesn't say that was it. They were conversing and reasoning. And this is what happens to so many of us. Conversing in this context is having a deep conversation. Reasoning in this context is investigating with the intent of dispute. Mary said this, but Mary's a crazy person. Peter said this, but he's a pathological liar. Maybe they just hoped something was happening. Maybe they saw something, like uh, something shimmering, and, and, and their imagination went wild. But, but this is what Jesus said too. But, but this is what Peter's known for. And this is what happens in our lives. They're having this debate. And this is where we are when it comes to fear and faith, is that we have this concept in our world where God speaks life over us, and then we have this concept in our world where we reason ourselves out of it. Mary and Peter gave them the opportunity to have faith in everything Jesus said, but their natural logic gave them the opportunity to dispute everything that Peter and Mary had said. And I love this because it says, and as they reasoned and conversed, Jesus drew near to them. He doesn't sit back and go, when you figure it all out, when you come to this place that you know who I am, I'll be here waiting. He goes to exactly where they are when they're in the moment of I believe and I doubt at the exact same moment. And this is what happens in all of our lives on a regular basis is that we find ourselves between conversing and reasoning all the time. I believe what God says, but I also see my bank account. I believe that I'm supposed to be healed, but I'm also having issues in my body. I believe what he, and we're dealing with this thing going back and forth. And I love this because it says, and Jesus drew near to them in that moment. Aren't you so excited that the Holy Spirit wants to draw near to you before you come to your conclusion? Before you try to figure it all out, he's seeking you out. He drew near to them, and I love this, and he walked with them. So either one of two things was happening. Either there was a lot of people walking to Emmaus, or Jesus is a ninja, and he just appears out of nowhere, and they're just like, yep, cool, there's a guy, and they keep walking. What I feel like was happening, more likely, is that there was a journey outward since the Passover has happened and everything was over with. They are on their way back to their towns, out on their way back to their villages. There's a group of people, so Jesus <coughs> appearing in the middle of them all and catching up with them wouldn't be that abnormal. So he walks with them, and in verse 16 it says, but their eyes were restrained. means that their eyes were not strong enough or perceptive enough to see who he was. Not too long ago, uh, my parents went out of town, and I, I was babysitting my little brother. My little brother's a 125-pound German shepherd, and I had been staying there for a while, but I miscalculated how many 
outfits that I would need and clothes that I would use. So uh, I did what any good son would do, steal their dad's clothes. So I go into my dad's closet, and I'm like, phew, it's, you know, let's dress like Alan Cova today. And from socks to shoes to shorts to shirt to hat, I was the Alan Cova catalog, page 22. I come out of his closet, and at that moment, Baron and I make eye contact. And Baron lost his mind, jumping and whining and barking and running around in circles until he was out of breath and does his thing because even though it was me, his eyes told him it was dad. Who I was never changed, but the clothes that I put on changed and it convinced him of who I was. So then I had to break his heart and he was depressed. <laughs> These men, their eyes could not perceive it was Jesus. Is it because Jesus looked so different? Is it because Jesus shows up as a, as, as a middle-aged guy? Is it because he had long hair or short hair? Because he changed his skin color? Because he changed his height? He changed his weight? Or is it just so they were so convinced of what their eyes had already shown them that the reality was right next to them couldn't be true? See, what's happening in, in this story is that their eyes deceived them from the encounter that God wanted them to have. And that's the thing that takes place currently with these ghost stories that we have. As you walk through Target or you walk through the, um, Walmart, <clears throat> as you go to a Halloween store or whatever it is, your eyes will deceive you. My daughter talked me into taking her to a store called Spirit, and they have all the Halloween decor and everything else. The problem is, Dad, that they have these little tape-down things on the floor. And as you walk on it, the big, huge things jump out at you. It's when they get punched problem was my daughter is headstrong and decided that she was going to be in charge so I let her go in front of me and when there was a like a a, a box with this like demonic looking clown jumps up at her because she stepped in the wrong spot she lost her mind or should I say she probably gained her mind because any kind of clown jumping at me is going to get knocked out too but it, it was one of those moments because her eyes then, for the rest of the store, she was convinced everything was going to jump out. Her eyes were looking to and fro to figure out what is now going. So what once was just a costume hanging up on the wall is a potential fear. What once was just makeup on the wall could be a potential jump out. Whatever it is is going on, and this is what's taking place in our lives, is that as long as we are stuck with our past experiences and we're living in fear and we're living with what we can see with our natural eyes, we're stuck to perceiving everything in that same context. These men are walking and they watched their Savior die, so there's no way that this could be him now. Jesus says, what kind of conversation are you guys having that make you so sad? <clears throat> Cleopas, his name is of a renowned father. In other words, he comes from a generation of people that are important. Looks at him, and I love this statement. Are you the only foreigner in Jerusalem? Second part, do you not know what has happened in Jerusalem? So in other words, you're obviously not one of us, and you have been isolated to know what has happened. 
You have no clue what's going on. And I love this because Jesus goes, well, what things happened? Because here's what Jesus goes, I know what happened. What have you perceived that has happened? I know what's gone on. I know the real story, but I would love to hear where you've gotten to in this moment. So he does. He tells him the whole story and his viewpoint. He said, did you not hear about this man, Jesus of Nazareth? No, what about him? He was a mighty prophet in word and deed. I I love this because the moment I read this part, I thought back when Jesus looks at Peter and says, but who do you say that I am? To these, he must have just been a prophet. Our religious leaders and our rulers had him delivered up to the Romans to crucify. These same religious leaders, these same rulers that have been telling us about how evil Rome is, that have been telling us about a deliverer, that has been telling us about a, a, a Messiah, that these same men that has told us about all these great things that this Messiah will do, they took this man and they gave him to our enemies. They, they crucified him. They they teamed up with the Romans to displace this man. He says, and I love this, but we trusted. In verse 22, it says this. Sorry, in verse uh, 21, it says this. But we were hoping. Pause right there. We were hoping it was him. We were hoping that he was the one. We were hoping that he was going to be the one that redeemed us from Israel. We were hoping that he was the great Messiah. There's a little, there's a little debate about these next few words with scholars. Some say besides all this. Some say but. I, I think it's more of a but. We were hoping he was our redeemer. But he's been dead for three days. Like, I wonder how long they stayed believing. Here's the crazy thing. For most of us, we have an internal clock in our minds when it comes to following Holy Spirit. I will follow him until this moment comes, and obviously he's not going to do it, so I'm not going to do it. But it's been the third day, so we're leaving. We thought he was the Messiah, but he's been dead for two days. We'll stay. Three days, we got to go. He's not coming back. We waited for our miracle, but it didn't happen, so we left. We thought this was going to take place, but it didn't happen when we thought it should, so we left. We thought we were going to be walking through this, but it didn't happen, so we ran out of time. I need to tell you this right now, that God is on his own time schedule. He does what he wants when he wants. I want you to understand that God does not run out of time. He's never early, and he's never late. He's operating exactly what it is, but what happens is that we begin to go, time's up, we're going to walk away like they did. My time is up, I'm going to start walking towards Emmaus. I'm leaving this spot because he hasn't come in three days, so I'm gone. It's hard for us to read some of this because it doesn't have these big long pauses like I feel like conversations do. These men are obviously distraught. 
They're obviously going through this stuff. Jesus says, why are you so sad? So I feel like they weren't having this chipper running dialogue. It's been three days. It's been three days. I wonder who spoke up next. Because the next part's interesting. Because in verse 22, it, it has a glimmer of hope. Because it says this in verse 22, but a certain woman... But a woman has come among us and amazed us when they were at the tomb early morning. It's an interesting context here. It says, A certain woman also with us made us. <clears throat> and the strongs, that word made, made us, literally means to throw out of position and to displace something. It's the idea of two men who are wrestling, and one of the wrestlers gets a new angle, and they flip somebody over, and they displace him from his feet and throw him on his back. It's the idea of, 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 of these two big fighters grappling. If you ever watched UFC, you've seen these, these two guys are going, 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 and it seems out of nowhere, boom, something, something snaps, something happens, and one guy's on the back. And what usually happens is it's not this big, huge haymaker punch. What happens is somebody just adjusts their stance a little bit to get leverage, and when they use their leverage, they can toss somebody. Have you ever seen some of the old uh, like kung fu movies where you see these guys come and running and these, these older uh, uh, martial arts teachers will really quickly use their momentum to toss them, to displace them, to take them from one spot to another. You were once running and you were once charging and now you're on your back wondering, how did I get here? And what's happening, it says that they had to convince themselves, Jesus is dead, it's been three days, but Mary's words displaced us. They've caused us to go, huh, what is that? See, this is what happens as we operate in the gifts of the Spirit. When the Holy Spirit flows through you, your words are not just words. Your words are the ability to leverage His power to displace mindsets all around you. Mary comes back with a testimony, but she didn't realize that her testimony was going to displace these people from where they were into something else. And that now they are amazed at what she's saying. They are astonished, one version says. That word astonished means to be blown out of your mind. We were once convinced Jesus is dead. It's been three days, but Mary has flipped us over and blown our minds. Because she says something else. <clears throat> verse 24 says and some of the men ran to the tomb to confirm what Mary says Jesus then takes this moment to speak because he can obviously tell that they're still struggling between these two realities they haven't made up their mind which they believe yet but I feel like the Every step they walk away from Jerusalem, they're beginning to drift more towards reason. Every step that they go away from what's taking place, they begin to drift. And this is what happens when we begin to disconnect ourselves from a church body a lot of times. We begin to drift. We begin to shift. 
We begin to go, okay, I once believed in all these things and the gifts of God, but now I'm beginning to reason within myself these things. And, I, and I'm using my logic, and, and oh, that was cute for back then, but you guys just aren't as advanced as I am because now I know what's going on. They keep walking towards Emmaus, which means they're walking away from the encounters. And Jesus says, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe. And all the prophets had spoken, ought not the Christ had suffered these things to enter into his glory. And it says that he starts off at Moses <coughs> all the way through the prophets. Something happens. Jesus still hasn't revealed himself. But there's something about the spirit of him speaking the truth that has captivated them because it says that as if he was going to keep on walking, they grabbed him and said, stay with us. Because there's something about the words of life that we cling to. There's something about God's word that illuminates something that we grasp a hold of. Because when you're in your lowest moments, when you're in your most fearful moments, when you're in the moments of life where you're ready to quit, when you have life, then we have hope, there's something that arises that goes, I have to hold on to this. And so they grab hold of him and they begin to ask him, stay with us. Jesus goes, great. I'll stay with you. <coughs> Now it came to pass as he sat, he took the bread and blessed it and broke it, and then he disappears. Verse 32, and they said to one another, did not, not our hearts burn with us while he talked with us on the road and while he opened up the scriptures to us? Did not our hearts burn? As we walk through these not-so-spooky stories, here's what I want you to hear me when I tell you this, is that the Holy Spirit wants to speak to you it's not through a Ouija board. You don't need to do a conjuring of a spirit. You don't need a spell or a wand. You don't need to go visit a, 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 um, a witch or a, a, a palm reader. Holy Spirit wants to speak to you. And He wants to connect with you because He wants you to have life and life more abundantly. And I love this concept because what happens in this moment is that the Holy Spirit begins to speak and their hearts burn. Pete, how do I know the difference between just words, good ideas, and Holy Spirit? Does your soul burn when you hear these things? Like if I was today to talk to you about winning the lottery, what would you do if you won $800 million? We can come up with great ideas, but is your soul burning with passion? When he spoke of things, what was taking place was this. They were in such despair, and as he spoke, they were displaced from their despair and brought into marvelous light. This is what the Holy Spirit does. He doesn't come to be weird and kooky and spooky and to make you do weird things. What he does is he wants to displace you from your fear and bring you into light. He wants to take you out of darkness and bring you into light. He uses his words to lead you out of the place of captivity into a place of liberation. He uses his experiences to, leave you, to, to, to take you out of the bondage and mindset that we're in to walk us into total victory and to have that life and life more abundantly. The problem that we're running into is that we want to ignore it because we're too busy. We don't take long walks with the Holy Spirit anymore. 
We don't take these times. What we do is we do a quick, God, thank you for this in Jesus' name, amen. Bless. Let's eat. That's, that's, our, that's our prayer time at best for many of us. But can I tell you what God wants from you today is he does not want to give you a spirit of fear, but he wants to displace the fear in your current life to give you life and life more abundantly. He wants you to experience his words and his passion. Over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about how he does that, how he does it with prophetic words, how he does it with words of encouragement, how he does it with, with affirmation, how he does it with gifts of healings and miracles. All of those things in, in uh, Corinthians 12, 13, 14, in Galatians, the fruit of the Spirit, when you go through those things, they're not meant to entertain you. They're meant to displace you. God is in the displacing business. He wants you to be so grounded in a false mindset that with just his words, he can flip you upside down and go, far be it from me. I didn't see it that way. Have you ever found yourself so, so <clears throat> in an argument with somebody and you were so dead set on your mindset and your way and your experience? And then all of a sudden you hear their account of the exact same story and you go, well, I think I just zigged when I should have zagged. Has it ever happened to anybody? I know that 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 I'm right in this moment because this was my experience. And then somebody else who was there had the exact same uh, uh, events take place but not the exact same experience because here's where we are. For many of us, our eyes have become weakened to his power. We don't recognize him when he's around us anymore. And how we view things and the lenses that we use to experience things will dictate how we live our lives. Put it this way, the glasses that you wear right now will affect your decisions. You ever put the wrong glasses on before? Not had your glasses before? Not couldn't find your contacts? And you're looking at something, you're trying to, to, to connect with something that's not really there? Or it's something different? Your lenses of fear and unbelief and doubt will determine how you encounter every obstacle. These men had an obstacle, a big obstacle. Their Savior had died. But they allowed the lenses of their reasoning to dictate that the man standing next to them right now could not be their Savior, but had to be somebody else. And even as their heart was burning with passion when he spoke, they still refused to believe. It wasn't until he disappears that they decided, hey, you know what? Maybe that guy who just vanished out of nowhere, maybe he was onto something. I love it. They run to the disciples to tell them of all the things they just experienced. And as they're sitting there, poof, he appears again. And I love it. Was that, did they say they were filled with hope? No. They were filled with terror. Why? A man just appeared out of nowhere kind of give him grace on that one. If Jesus just appears right now, love him, serve him, I'll worship him, going to lose my mind. And he walks in. Peace! In other words, what's up guys? Check it out. Look at these holes. It's me. Can we get something to eat? Just, I think Jesus is kind of interesting in this because he's so case hurrah, hurrah with this whole experience. Just look at the words he uses. Everyone's like terrified, fearful, afraid. They're locked up in the most upper room that they could find with bars and chains thinking that they're going to die. And Jesus comes to the door. Turkey? So you want turkey? You want mayo, mustard? What you want? I'm making sandwiches. 
He's just walking through it. Why? Because his lenses and his experiences were drastically different from them. To him, everything was great. Everything's done. I just redeemed you all. Everything is fantastic. He, the devil has no idea the mistake he made. I love the statement that was made by a great theologian. He says that if the devil knew what was going to take place after Jesus' death, he would have killed every man who wanted to kill Jesus. But he didn't know. Jesus shows up. What's up, guys? Greatest victory of all time. Why are you so scared? You're dead. Obviously not. But you have to be dead. Do I have to be dead? you got to be dead. We watched you die. But I came back to life. But did you? Mass hysteria. Is everyone else seeing the same thing? What's in the wine? What's going on here? They refuse to believe. They refuse at this moment because it's interesting how fear works. Fear only works with our eyesight as long as it gets what it wants. But then what happens when our eyes then decide to show us he's alive, fear doesn't want us. We have to be losing our minds now. Why are you troubled, and why do your hearts doubt? Behold my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Handle me. See, I have a spirit. I, don't, I have flesh and blood. Do you have any food here? He says, and then when all these words which I spoke to you are still within you, that all must be fulfilled in the law of the prophets, and the Psalms concerning me, and he opened up their understanding that they might comprehend the Scriptures. And he said to them, It is written, and thus it is necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day. And that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all the nations beginning at Jerusalem. And I, you are now my witnesses of these things. Behold, I send the promise of my Father to you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with the power of the Holy Spirit. And he led them out as far as Bethany, and he lifted up his hands, and he blessed them. And it came to pass that as he blessed them, that he parted from them and carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him, and returning to Jerusalem with great joy, and were continually in the temple, praising God. Amen. One version says this. One, 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 passion says, one, one gospel says this. As he ascended into heaven, they stared and worshipped. And then angels showed up and go, what you looking at? A man just floated away. What do you mean, what am I looking at? Oh, he'll, he'll be back another time. Go to Jerusalem and get ready for the Holy Spirit. The apex of the story isn't just that Jesus walks in. It's that Jesus says, I have to leave so that you can get more. I love this moment because Jesus comes in victorious but they didn't perceive his victory as a victory. They perceived his victory as a defeat. Because what happens a lot of times in our lives is that God's victory doesn't come the way that we expect it to come. They expected a white horse. They expected him to come in with an army. They expected him to wipe out Rome. And they had their ideas so steadfast on it being their way that they refused to see it any other way. Holy Spirit wants to displace your thoughts today. He wants you to know that he can do it his way. He wants you to know that as, as he did with Jesus and the disciples in this moment, he wants to take you from one spot to another. What if I was to tell you that over the next few weeks as you listen and as you participate in the services, that you can understand that what you once thought was a defeat is actually set up for victory? What if I was to tell you that the things that you're struggling with today, that you think that the enemy has hold on you, 
doesn't actually have hold on you, but you're one movement away from you being its victor. What if I was to tell you your biggest fear and your biggest defeat aren't actually your biggest fear and aren't your biggest defeat, but are going to be what's going to be used to propel you to set other people free? God wants to take what we have deemed as ashes burnt to a ground and displace them and make something beautiful of it. Over the next few weeks, we're going to walk through taking destruction and watching beauty come out of it. We're going to walk through how, how to take something that was dead and speak it back to life. We're going to walk through dreams. We're going to walk through visions. We're going to walk through encounters that were once deemed impossible to see them come back to life because I believe that God is wanting to move us from a place of fear and loss into a place of victory and power. God, we just thank you for this day. We thank you that as we wrap this service up, that Holy Spirit, you stir up our hearts to believe the impossible again. You stir up our hearts to walk through all the pain, all the past of last month so that we can be victorious. As Pastor said last week, that we're for such a time as this that we have these defining moments. And today, God, I just thank you that as we walk through the story of Emmaus, the road to Emmaus, that that was a defining moment for the disciples, for those men, for the women, that changed the course of human history for forever. And I thank you that today, over the next few weeks as we go through this, they're going to have defining moments. The things that were once were dead are back alive again. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Have a great week.